0: If you're an average player, you want to be left alone because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want to coach and tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things.
1: Welcome to the Goat Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a goat, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville, and welcome to another episode of the Goat Consulting Podcast right here at VC Productions in studio in Nashville, Tennessee. Always at the table with me is my good friend Tyler Burnett, the CEO and founder of the Goat family of brands with his, his latest and greatest polo, and then to the left, the LinkedIn whisperer, the calming force to our show, with no sh- t shirt to show today, mm. uh, John Byers. John, thank you so much for, for being so here. Welcome. Tyler, we appreciate you coming in. Always we exciting. always, yes, we always like to thank our friends at Dev Digital and uh, for the great work that they do, um, continuing to be a friend of the show and support of the show and, and setting the bar so high when it comes to all things digital in Nashville, Tennessee.
2: They bring the energy. They they do bring the energy, just like
1: Colby. Yeah, yeah. Get out of the get out of the sand trap and, and <laughs> get, get, green, up, get back up on the green. So we got a great show for you today. Uh, the show is around rivalries, and, yes. and this is something that was interesting to you that you saw, and and we see rivalry in sports, right? We see mm. rivalry: Green Bay Packers versus the Chicago Bears, yes. L.A. versus the Celtics, Bird versus Magic. Mm. The list goes on and on.
2: But send some goats in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in sports, what do we say? It's easy to see. It is. But in business, it's people that compete on unique perspective, education, and experience. What they do gives them energy and it gives other people energy, creates new levels of challenge and new levels of opportunity. And that really is the story for today. A story of rivalries. Yes. Unexpected rivalries.
2: Yeah, and I was reading a book that I've probably referenced before a couple of years ago when I started called Infinite Game by Simon Sinek. And fascinating book, kind of reshapes a lot of how I think about winning and losing and, and how he uh, goes into that. But one of the terms that he actually brings up in this book and speaks to is worthy rivals. And so as I started kind of doing some of my own research on that and looking up a few things, it, it, I really kind of focused in on this uh, – story of Alan Mulally, who left Boeing right. in 2006 to become the CEO of Ford. And in one of his first interviews, a reporter asked him, said, Alan, what kind of car do you drive? And Alan says, I drive a Lexus, which got a lot of tilted heads in the crowd. And he said, <laughs> um, and when asked why, he said, because it's the finest car in the world. Absolutely. Now I might contend that because I've had Lexus and I'm not sure I would quite agree but he believed it and maybe that was the case in 2006. And what I loved about that is he he preferred and he preferred the truth even when it was uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean here he is in a moment taking over Ford 2006 and by the way, Ford was like on the brink of bankruptcy right. at this point when he was taking over. And I believe he was offering Ford one of the greatest gifts they would ever receive in the company history, and that was a worthy rival in Lexus.
1: The worthy rival? Yes. So they needed to have a rivalry in order to be able to become the company that they were supposed to become. Yeah. And if you look at all great rivalries, what what do they do? They elevate the play They do of those around them.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, he goes on to, like, bring an entire fleet of Lexus vehicles into Ford, not to copy what they did, but to, like, study them. They, they wanted, and, and in this process, they decided they didn't want to be Lexus, but they wanted to be great in, in similar ways that Lexus had become great. And so it was this, it was this co-elevation I don't even know at the time it was a co-elevation. They were being elevated by the good work that Lexus had done. And I think it's just a fascinating story of humility and confidence uh, It's and goatness.
0: Well, I mean, you said it earlier about part of our motto here is, is about unique education and unique perspective. I think what he was trying to do is change the perspective because, you know, they thought they were successful, right, in their own minds. I'm sure most of those people had started at Ford and and just been at Ford. But until you're willing to open up to different perspectives, you think you're at the top. Yeah,
1: one of the things Mulaley is known for is is he came in and saw a culture where they cared more about themselves versus the company itself. Mm. And and so there, there was a shift in focus, and I think probably it took him saying, and look over here, Look at how this company, Lexus, is doing it, and we could be doing it in, in a way that's either similar or better, and that is somebody that we're going to compete against on, on a daily basis. Which you don't, that, that doesn't seem intuitive to me, right? Do, do, do you think about Ford competing with Lexus?
2: I don't, and I think that's what they got super clear on at the time. They didn't want to compete with Lexus in terms of the, the, the types of, certainly the audience and the consumer, but somebody that buys a Lexus is typically not you know, in the business of also owning a Ford, right? So it's Mm -hmm. two different types of customers. But how they were executing, how they were excellent in their creation and what they were innovating, that was so unique. And they wanted to bring that type of culture to, to Ford that they had not had up to this point. Yeah. And it made me, and let me just go ahead and share, you mentioned the, the no t-shirt today it's very intentional and I struggled with this but out of respect for you, I did not wear my University of Georgia national champion t-shirt today because well because you um, I think it would it might s- stunt your ability to do this show in, <laughs> in such a great way but I would say this is not my goat but I would say that UGA one of the biggest reasons they won this year, was because of their worthy rival in Alabama. Hmm. And when I think about some of the greatest rivals in college sports, I'm not, I not—I might not necessarily put UGA and Alabama there. They certainly have become that in the last few years. But there's others like Auburn and Florida that G- Georgia Tech, in some ways, have competed with over the years. But I believe one of the biggest reasons Georgia won the title this year was because of Alabama. And so, but I didn't wear the shirt. So I'm going to share goat. Okay. Um, And by the way, you you mentioned some. There are many other worthy rivals, right? You've got uh, Apple and Microsoft, and maybe Tyler will mention one here. But I'm going to go with the greatest villain of all time, the Joker. Yeah. Mm. Greatest villain of all time. And he was the first villain to ever get his own movie, by the way, that was solely focused on the Joker. And I don't think Batman is as great as, he, as we see him today, if not for the Joker. And, you know, as we look at some of the other ways the Joker has become elevated in film, you've got Jack Nicholson, who played the first Joker uh, years back when right. the first Batman movie came out. You have Heath Ledger, who played him a few years ago. And then when Joker got his own movie, Joaquin Phoenix played him, which is a fascinating film, by the way. It won all kinds of awards. But all three of those guys won Oscars for playing the role of the Joker. Wow! There's not been a villain ever in film that has been as decorated as the Joker.
1: And so the Joker couldn't be the Joker without Batman, and Batman couldn't be Batman without yes. the Joker.
2: Which is which is precisely what a worthy rival is. And I've, i pointed out a few things just because I tend to look at a little deeper, but why is the Joker so good? He's, he, and why do we connect with him as an audience in such a way? At least for me, I'm partially making this up. But he wasn't originally bad. If you watch this the solo film where mm. Joaquin Phoenix is, is the Joker, he wasn't originally bad, but he was a bad product of his circumstances. The audience, us, we sympathize with him because of that, and then, of course, he's got this uncontrollable laughter. That's what makes him so good at being such a unique and the greatest villain of all time. Well, I
1: think if you look at that relationship between um, the Joker and Batman, I think what it what it really illustrates, and it's it's certainly um, seen in Mulally and his approach, is that the first thing that that kind of rivalry does. You call it worthy rivalry. Is that what, is that what Cynic says in his book? He calls it, I think it, it, the worthy rivalry does, does three things. Number one, um, it provides performance enhancing opportunities, Mm -hmm. right? Because the Joker, every time that he goes to engage with Batman, he tries to one up him. He does. (laughs) And then Batman comes back and tries to then one up him. And the movie really is about, Performance enhancing, pr- providing that performance enhancing, um, I think that's one. That's one big piece to it. I think the worthy goal, the second worthy goal, based on your example of the Joker and Batman, uh, helps you stay committed to achieving your goal. Every time that the Joker does something, what does Batman say? We got to achieve the goal, and what is the goal? To keep everybody safe, and who do we keep them safe from? The Joker. The Joker. So number two is strengthen I mean is to um to achieve stay the goal. Committed. Stay 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 committed, that's right. To achieving the goal. And then the last is strengthen your motivation to win. Strengthen your motivation to win. I think those are the things when I think about uh, the Joker and Batman, uh, those three things are the things that Drove Malaley and looking at a worthy rival, and I think he was smart to see that.
0: Yeah, they push you to be your best self, right? You think about starting Absolutely. quarterbacks, you think about starting shortstops. A lot of the time, early on in the season, there's a there's a huge rivalry, a huge you know run to who's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, so without those, those guys maybe get laxed a little bit and don't push as hard. Hundred percent. So um, that brings me to my goat, Nike and Reebok. Mm. So, uh, Reebok originally kind of came out with the pumps right in the tongue where you could pump right there. And then I love those. And then I, I loved them too. Um, and I love Shaquille O'Neal when he kind of signed the deal with them, that brought some more attention to Reebok. Uh, but then, you know, Nike had the Air Max shoe where they kind of did the same thing that you didn't have to pump that was in the bottom of the shoe, another comfort level. Right. So it was those two rivalries pushing each other to put the best product out there. And, and and maybe Reebok never tries to put a, a pump in the in the tongue of the shoe, if it wasn't for competition like Nike and and maybe Nike doesn't find a way to try to in, enclose air underneath the sole or in the sole of the shoe. I mean, just think about that. What what innovation that took to say, hmm, let's let's make us feel like we're walking on clouds here, and let's trap air underneath. I mean, I think that's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah, And it drives innovation, right? Like we just talked about. I was having a conversation with my team this morning before we left, and a lot of our business has driven around dog parks, right? So it's, you know, turfing a dog park so you don't have mud and, and those kind of things, making those spaces clean, right? Whether it's a backyard, whether it's a dog park, apartment complex or whatnot. And when we first got in the business, everybody was just putting turf down whether it was me or somebody from out of town or somebody from in town, one of my rivalries, or just putting turf down. But the conversation we had today was, how do we make these dog parks more unique? How do we put... We're building one at Berry Farms right now where we have a... Put a cat in it. A concrete... Yeah, <laughs> See what no, happens. Put a concrete pipe where the dogs can run through a tunnel, right? Where Ooh. they have... There's one seesaw coming up. There's a dog bath. You know How do we get more creative and be more innovative? And, and part of that... I would have never thought about it if it wasn't for competition.
2: There's no doubt that that a worthy rival makes you better, makes you think harder, perform better, train harder. Uh, And we could go on. I mean, you've got Coke and Pepsi, and you've got all these others that just are better because of the other. And that really brings me to a point around Mullaly because two years after taking over as the CEO of Ford, which, by the way, remember, they were almost ready to file bankruptcy – Two years later was 2008 when we hit the financial crisis. And this is fascinating to me. Ford was the only U.S.-based car manufacturer that did not receive government assistance because of the turnaround that Mullally had created in only a two-year time frame. He, Ford was the only one. You had GMC and you had Chrysler both asking the government for a bailout. And, in fact, they called Mulally to to testify in front of Congress as to whether or not he thought GM and Chrysler should get the bailout. And everybody knew what he was going to say, right? He's going to testify. He's going to say, of course they shouldn't get it. Ford would dominate the market or they'd get GM and Chrysler for some dirt cheap and they'd own all of it, right? And Mullally gets up in front of Congress and he says, I'm going to endorse the bailout for both of these guys. We, as Ford, are better because of them we need them to be as good as we are today and even better tomorrow he was he he understood the impact that worthy rivals had on his business in fact he went on to talk about the suppliers somehow that nobody had thought about that would be negatively impacted if ford and or i'm sorry if gm and chrysler had gone out of business because those are the same suppliers he was using that right. then would have impacted his business and yeah. then his customers and the effect that it would have had on the market. So this guy's fascinating, and one of the things that I love about that and I love that that I kind of garnered from that about a worthy rival is that they they keep the game in play. Mm. The reason that Joker or the reason that Coke or University of Georgia or Apple or whomever it is, Nike, right, or Reebok, the reason those guys – are great worthy rivals is because they keep upping the game, just like you talked about. They keep the game in play, and that's one of the things that a worthy rival does.
1: Yeah, before Mulele was hired, Ford had lost its way. Uh, instead of acting, it was reacting, and I'm pulling these from the notes that I had. It was making cars that nobody wanted to buy because union contracts prohibit layoffs. Its vehicles were boring because bean counters undermined the work of designers and knew that every organization needed a clear and compelling vision. And I think that's probably why he looked to have a worthy rival, is if you look at when does a rival become worthy? When does it become worthy? When it impacts not only the rivalry itself, but it impacts the entire system. It Mm -hmm. impacts the entire culture. It impacts an entire generation. And what he saw was an opportunity to address this very thing in the culture problems inside of Ford by having a rivalry that says, and here's who we're going to go out and compete against on a daily basis. Mm. In a way, I I mean, I I hate to say this, but in a way, much like Georgia looked at Alabama (laughs) and knew that Alabama was the Lexus and still is of college football
0: in Georgia. Can I I check the pulse here? Uh, they they're not. I don't, I don't feel much <laughs> in they're, Georgia. They're not. They're not the Lexus for another for another forty
2: four weeks. They're not. Another forty four weeks. Oh, at least
0: that's heartbreaking for you, isn't it?
1: <laughs> those have been some great games.
2: They, they were. were. They were. They were. But I think are. I think
0: those I think those rivalries help create a great leader too. Mm. You know because. Yeah, he could have easily, like you said, just said, no, um, I, d- I don't support a bailout. And, and sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees. Um,
2: One of the things I would ask Mullaly is, like, he wasn't about beating the rivalry. That's what I think is fascinating. Because if, if, if he was about winning, if he was about winning over a competition, and certainly there is – there is something meaningful about that, right? Like he would have said, they don't get the bailout. Ford would have gone on for at least a time and dominated the market, but he doesn't, and that's what I think is so fascinating. I would want to lean in with him and say, "Well, like, what do you think about winning and losing?" I think he mm-hmm. would he would blow our minds with what he might respond because yeah. I don't think it was about that for him. Worthy rivals aren't about winning and losing they're about elevating. Yeah.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I that's mean an interesting it, concept. I think that uh I think that's if you go back to Joker and Batman, it's that the the franchise goes on, the latest Batman, yeah. it it's about what? Fans go in there exp- hoping to experience what? The next elevation of the rivalry yes. between those two.
2: Absolutely right. So do
1: you so do you have to have a rivalry to to up your competition to up your game to improve your performance?
2: Tell me one scenario in in the history of the the universe where something great didn't happen. Something great happened where a worthy rival wasn't in play. Oh man.
0: David and Goliath. I and mean, that's not where it's not, but I mean I'm thinking so of everything. Rival. There's always a worthy rival yeti and yeti and uh, what's the other one that's here out of nashville orca
1: yeti and orca
2: so there's so, not there's
1: not one
2: I, I can't i can't think of one i couldn't think of one when anything great happens there's a worthy rival involved
1: when anything great happens there's a worthy so of, uh, a worthy
2: so it's worth us paying involved. attention to yeah and worth us leaning into why Rather than trying to beat a worthy rival, how do we study them in a way that Malley brought a whole fleet of Lexus cars to, to the Ford plant, study them in such a way to, that's going to help elevate our game, make us better, do great things? I feel like we're pounding the pounding the topic here. But. Well, I, you know, it's
1: the worthy rival. I mean, and I think that that's the focus, right? It's something different to think about if you if you think about business and leadership. It is not counterintuitive. It is into it is not intuitive to think. It's counterintuitive to say um, I'm going to look at somebody else in order to see how we can up our game. But when you take those moments and you look at the examples that we've given today, the NBA was on the verge of collapse until, um, bird Johnson and, and magic Johnson, uh, established that rivalry.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think it, I think it, it helps the end user too, the consumer, right? Because Absolutely. you're constantly working on quality, which the definition of quality is delivering a better, good or service at a reduced cost. There you go. So you think about, let's just say Walgreens, for instance, if they, there was, there was no, no other competitor. You know, the prices of their stuff could be $100 instead of $10, right? So if those companies don't push themselves to deliver quality at a reduced cost, then the end user is the one who, who has the issue there. So I think it's good for our economy. It's good for it's good for everything. Good for the end user. It's good for the company.
2: When when uh, Apple decide to follow, by the way, their worthy rival Microsoft in coming out with their similar version of Microsoft's PC. Microsoft put out an ad that said, "Welcome." Uh, I forget exactly the wording, but it was like, "Welcome to the welcome to the world of personal computers." Apple. Yeah. Like it was. I just thought it was so cool. Like they didn't try to trash them, but it was like, "Glad you're here." Glad you're late, but glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, like I think there was probably a, a little, little bit, bit of, of tongue and cheek in there all at the same yeah. time. But I thought it was such a cool ad that they put out just to say, welcome to the game.
1: <clears throat> welcome to the game.
0: Well, and, th- and it makes me think a little bit, you know, back to our Southwest deal, right? And your Toyota and Lexus comparison. Like, the market needs different kinds of companies, right? There's people who love Southwest. There's people who love American, people who love Delta. And they love it for different reasons. Yeah. And it's hard for one company to appease everybody. So I think that's another thing that makes the market great too. If if you had a if you loved American Airlines, you loved their style, but you only had a southwest option, you probably just wouldn't fly. And so then you might taint the flying or what you think about flying. So I think it's good to have different culture, different vision and different suppliers.
1: Yeah, it's the feeling of uniqueness and excitement that comes along with that. So not only internally, like Mulaney used with Ford. In Lexus, you can see it happen externally and the excitement that's created. And we're very much looking forward to the Alabama-Georgia rivalry. If, I'm if watching that's that with what, you guys. If that's what you want to call that, I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard it all the way until until now, but we're gonna give that to John Byers for today. We're gonna to say, John, we're gonna say for today that the Alabama, Georgia rivalry is alive and well and so is the Auburn and Alabama rivalry and, and really the rivalry between Alabama and everybody else.
0: Well, what do you get excited for in sports? You know, basketball, I don't watch any <laughs> basketball this year. We just had a rivalry
1: week. John just sits here and smiles as he knows that uh, I've got to wait for another 300 and how many, 344 days to see that game again? 44 weeks. Eight, 40, week,
2: eight weeks today.
1: 44, is it really? Eight weeks today. 44 wow. weeks. So if you're out in the market, I, I do suggest that you go look for a Lexus over a Ford, but uh, we'll, we'll have that in another episode for Tyler Burnett and John Byers. I'm Colby Jubinville. This is a rivalry week at uh, the Go Consulting Podcast.